You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional, Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. Major Fedlocks here. I'd like to summarize Trump's situation currently in as few words as possible. I know you're busy. Scared puppy, orange guppy, so grumpy that Trumpy. Sick puppy shows up, he needs jailing. He's failing, old fatty, he's batty, big liar. Spare tire, scared baby, just maybe, he'll crumble, get humble, I'm betting, he's sweating, Oh yeah. sad viper, full diaper, <laughs> full panic, he's manic, he's falling, jail's calling. Aha, uh-huh. mangy fetlocks everybody. That's Bruce W. Nelson <laughs> getting us started on this uh, Tuesday. Welcome to it. Uh, I'm Nicole Sandler. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, you know, Marcy Wheeler was just here last Monday. And we we knew that this third indictment was coming down like any minute. And of course, there was plenty to talk about Monday, even though we still didn't have it. Well, we got it Tuesday. Now, it's been a hell of a week. I read the entire thing for you so you don't have to. Uh, It's recorded. It's up on its own podcast. It's on a YouTube video. If you you want to read the indictment but don't have the time to sit down and, um, you know, read all 45 pages and go through it, I did it for you. So you can hear it and grok it. And, And then yesterday, of course, I played some highlights of it. And I thought, you know, We should get Marcy back because so much has transpired, not just on this third indictment, but, you know, if you looked at the the show card I have up for today's show, um, there's a whole lot of a whole lot of um, (laughs) legal problems that the former guy has. 
So he's been indicted on three. A fourth one is coming out of Georgia. We've got uh, we've got trial dates. Oh, hold on. I have no and I have no audio. Oh, my God. All right. Hold on one second. I, I, I don't know what happened to the audio there, but OK, we're back. So anyway. Uh, there's a lot. So, uh, of course, I called on Marcy Wheeler. Marcy Wheeler of EmptyWheel.net. She, you know, she, she's she got it down. I don't know how she keeps it straight, but she does. So, with no further ado, now, because Marcy is in Ireland these days, that's where she's living right now, we tend to tape her appearances on the show. Um, and uh, so we're doing it early in the morning. No, I, I know audio's coming back. Um uh, so we we taped this at 10 o'clock this morning and um, yeah, and so it's now five Eastern. So anyway, here we go. Marcy Wheeler with no further ado. And <laughs> let's hope this works. Um, you know, I, I always worry because we have gremlins in the studio, but here we go. Ready? Take it away. Um, the, 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 uh, the gods. Here we go. Come on, Marcy. I think. Okay. Go. Oak last Monday, the indictment, as we guessed it would be, was released on Tuesday. Disappointed that Jack Smith was very deliberate in what charges he brought and left out insurrection. Did you think that should have been charged or no? Oh, I'm, I was, I never believed insurrection should have been charged. That was a fantasy uh, perpetuated by people who didn't have to like think about how to bring this to trial. So, no, insurrection was never going to be part of this. Do I think that you, in three years' time, could show that Trump engaged in a conspiracy with people beyond the six people listed in the indictment? Absolutely. But if this thing is going to get to trial, if this thing has any chance of getting to trial before the election, um, you need to do something that that isolates Donald. Yes. And that will meet the terms of the law for which you have the evidence without trying to spin in everybody. Um, I, I did a post probably a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, Nicole, where I said, you know, how, why do you charge Donald alone and how you can charge Donald alone? Mm-hmm. And and uh, uh, that may be how or why Jack Smith structured this indictment in the way he did. Uh, I suspect there may be other reasons as well. Um, one of the things this indictment did was only tell the public stuff we already knew with about 10 exceptions, like everything else we already knew. Um, and that's okay because one of the things that the indictment, like you don't see Cassidy Hutchinson in there. No. There's not a reference to Cassidy Hutchinson in there. And I'm okay with that because while I expect Cassidy Hutchinson to testify in any eventual trial of Donald Trump, or maybe she won't need to, maybe Mark Meadows will do all the testimony. <laughs> I'd rather have Mark Meadows named in there than Cassidy Hutchinson because it lowers the chances that Cassidy Hutchinson is going to be terrorized for the next year until Donald Trump goes on trial and i and i you know like i suspect there's a lot of decisions like that that went into the structure of this indictment and we will only understand the structure of this indictment nine months from now when other people have been charged and you know he's built it out but i but i but i do i sort of suspect this is the nugget bring this nugget to trial hopefully before the election and then, like, just as an example, Sidney Powell is co-conspirator number three. Right. You could build an entire sub-conspiracy on Sidney Powell and involve people like Mike Flynn and, and Patrick Byrne. 
Maybe. Don't know. Um, and, and then what you'd have is you'd have Trump going to trial based on things he said and Sidney Powell said, right? Mm-hmm. She would be a co-conspirator of his. And then Sidney Powell going on trial, hypothetically, of course, um, based on stuff she did and said with Mike Flynn and Patrick Byrne and some others. And so, in other words, like um, I predicted in August 2021 that you would use obstruction as a way to kind of build modular conspiracies to, you know, to build this modularly. And there's nothing in this indictment that does that that suggests differently that, you know, that the indictment certainly allows for that. And and maybe that's what we'll see going forward. Well, so the, you you mentioned uh, Sidney Powell, who has been identified not in. Obvious, she is co-conspirator three. We've been. It's interesting that. One through five. Okay. I think there's still some uncertainty about six. Okay. I also think identifying who six is at this point doesn't really matter because the function of six is a function that both Mike Roman and Boris Epstein did. Okay. And so, and frankly, well, I mean, we can come back to that, but one through five are definitely, uh, we know exactly who they are in six. I think there's still some uncertainty about it and it's not a very interesting uncertainty. Okay. Helped implement a plan to submit fraudulent slates of presidential electors. Th- this could have been a number of people. Five is. Uh, do you agree? It's Ken Cheeseboro, who I'm not overly familiar with. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, it's definitely Ken Cheeseboro. Okay. Ken Cheeseboro was one of the people that uh, the January 6th committee referred for prosecution. Um, so uh, you know that there okay and the first because he obviously i mean he wrote it down like he in december he's like oh we're gonna go ask these fake electors to commit a crime for us that sounds kind of criminal were uh, obvious ones and they have not been in because jack smith wants to get this case to trial quickly they will be indicted down the line yeah, and as we speak, Nicole, um, yesterday Bernie Carrick mm-hmm. met with Jack Smith. Bernie Carrick was the researcher for uh, Rudy Giuliani's effort. Uh, in the last couple weeks, Bernie Carrick handed over more of the materials that uh, he developed with, with Rudy Giuliani. Um, so it's not impossible, right, that... Oh, and the grand jury is meeting as we speak. So oh, we are today. Taping, we are taping in the 10 o'clock hour and this will go live at 5, at 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. And so who knows what's going to happen between the time we tape and the time this goes live, because that's the way life is happening. Anyway, the grand jury is back at work. Boris Epstein uh, met with Jack Smith's prosecutors yesterday. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there is certainly the possibility or the probability that Rudy and the others will be charged. And we just don't know. I mean, for the reasons I just laid out, we don't know whether Smith would charge each of them individually and then charge their co-conspirators along with them or whether um, we don't know how how it goes from here. No, it doesn't it, really matter. You know, right. like, it, it doesn't really matter. We're moving forward on Donald Trump. We are now with this case. Um, obviously, Jack Smith wants it to go quickly. Uh, so does the judge. Now, the judge is Tanya Chutkin, who is it seems like no nonsense. She's not taking shit from anyone. And so um, there was some action yesterday in that 
Jack Smith had filed a, a protective order, basically saying, trying to prevent Trump and his people from releasing the items that they get in discovery from going public with it. Um, they wanted a response in five days. Uh, Trump's lawyer said, I don't have time. I've got to do all the Sunday shows. The judge said, too bad. You get that in. They got it in at right at the deadline yesterday, right before five o'clock. And then Jack Smith's office turned around a response to that within three hours saying, look, as you can tell, they're trying to try this case in the press instead of doing it in court. Do I have that right? That's the where it stands now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, basically, to facilitate a quick trial, DOJ wants to be able to hand over all the discovery and prevent that from happening. And also to, um, again, I mean, they're right on this, to make it easier to try this in the public sphere. Because, you know, in the public sphere, you're going to have Maggie Haberman and Josh Dossi say ridiculous things because that's what they do. That's their job is to say ridiculous things that Trump insiders tell them. Whereas uh, that's a very different issue from trying this case in the same courthouse where 300 other people have been tried for the same charge, uh, the obstruction charge, uh, which is which makes up two of the four charges against Donald Trump. OK, <clears throat> now the, they're still on track for, I believe, Judge Tutkin, um scheduled a preliminary the hearing on a trial date for May 20th. Is that going to hold? No, sorry, that's um, that is Aileen Cannon. Oh, that's Aileen Cannon. Okay, duh, I'm getting them mixed up. And right, we have the we have the um, uh, there's a calendar. I mean, I should make up a like a spreadsheet because it's very hard to keep them all separate. Right now, Trump is currently under three separate indictments. There's this newest one, number three, in D.C. That's on January sixth. The first indictment is 34 felony counts in New York based around the hush money paid to Stormy Daniels. And the second one is the one in Florida with Eileen Cannon. That You're right, that one's scheduled for May. And um, she, now, well, and Alvin Bragg is scheduled for March, but he has sort of intimated that if he was asked nicely, he could defer his trial and clear up that March space for Jack Smith. So it's possible that we could see this January 6th thing go to trial in, in March. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. And then there's a fourth one on the horizon. Apparently, they have shut down the the streets in front of the Fulton County Courthouse, where an indictment is expected from Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis anytime between now and the next 10 days from now. Um, Do you know any smart people think that's going to be next week? Uh, and the reason why is there are two, uh, you know, I, I follow Anna Bowers for this, but there's some really great, uh, one thing I'm really happy about is that the journalists in Atlanta covering this are doing a better job on net than mm-hmm. the journalists in D.C. covering various legal. I mean, there are some ter- terrific journalists in D.C. There's just so many political journalists kind of spewing whatever John Loro or Donald Trump or, or, you know, Jim Trusty or whatever tells them to say. Um, and so Atlanta has a lot of really good journalists and they're reading the timing of the grand jury and the timing of the subpoenas that go out. And they suspect that the grand jury that will be visiting this is the one that sits on, I think, Wednesday and Thursday or Thursday and Friday, regardless. Uh-huh. And they'll start getting evidence um they either will get all the evidence next week or they'll get some of it this week and some next week. But, it, you know, so there you would expect, a, a, say, a Thursday of next week indictment. 
Wow. Uh, uh, look, I'm having a hard time keeping it straight. I know you, this is what you do. So I, 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 I'm, I'm in awe. But how is Donald Trump keeping this straight? I mean, can you imagine what's going on in his head right now? And, and, but his defiance is just ratcheted up. I mean, everybody who's against him is evil or, you know, the stuff that he's spewing about the, the judges and the prosecutor. I, I mean, everybody, this is, we all know this is like uncharted territory, but this is insane. Any normal person would, would first of all bow out of the presidential race because knowing what they're up against, but he doubles down. Um, how do you report on something that's so just, just ridiculous? It's exhausting, and it's really frustrating to see people um, – one, one – hack I have adopted and that I will continue to press is something I mentioned earlier, which is that two of the charges against Trump, the two obstruction charges, uh, 18 U.S.C. 1512 C2, 18 U.S.C. 1512 K, those are the same obstruction charge charged against 300 of Donald Trump's dupes, Uh uh, 300 members of his mob already. And the range of people that that includes is everybody from, you know, somebody who uh, saw Trump's tweet on the Internet and bought guns from Amazon and came, you know, the, the, the guy, remember the guy who um, who repelled down from the balcony to the floor of the Senate and then go, went and sat in Mike Pence's seat? Yeah. He was he and his buddies, the three buddies. He, the two buddies he went to D.C. with, they were charged with this. The um, Both sides, the militias were charged with this. A bunch of individuals were charged with this. And so one after another, you're seeing, you know, senators, Marsha Blackburn, Tim Scott, um, it, it, Lindsey Graham. You're, you're seeing senators say, oh, my gosh, how dare DOJ charge this case? It's like, well, let me name your constituents. Like Marsha Blackburn, her constituents, remember the other guy, uh, zip tie guy, Famous guy, right? right the guy right. I'll kid it out. Um, he's from Tennessee. So he's a Marsha Blackburn constituent. And he and his mom have both been found guilty of conspiring to obstruct the vote count. Same charge is used with Donald Trump. Um, and so this notion that it's so unusual is only you can only get there when you suggest that these 300 people who were duped by Donald Trump, who 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 believed the big lie, many of them. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, That they should do time and Donald Trump for telling the big lie should not do time. And that's a real toxic notion that Donald Trump is somehow immune from the crime that, you know, he Tom Sawyer thousands of his followers to commit. It's so right. Look, I have this theory. I call it opposite world where everything, if you flip it in a mirror image, you get some semblance of reality. The fact that, you know, they're screaming. First of all, this is a First Amendment case when Jack Smith stripped out anything. It has nothing to do with anything Trump said. It is not about his speech. It's about his actions. Um I think it was yeah, brilliant. Can I, inter- yeah, Please. Can I interrupt yeah. and explain mm-hmm. that too? Yes. Because two things. One is um, the two charges that most people talk about are one is the conspiracy to defraud the United States. So basically trying to deceive the U.S. government into certifying him as the winner of the electoral count rather than Joe Biden. That's the idea. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that is most obviously fraud is one way they did that is to recruit um, fake electors in all the swing states and have those fake electors 
submit basically forgeries to the archives. So, you know, let's go and get 16 Michiganders and 16 Georgians and 16 Nevadans and 16 Arizonans and 16 Pennsylvanians and 16 Wisconsins and 16 New Mexicans and get them all to engage in forgery together. And with that forgery to have a document to use to be able to claim the necessity to delay the vote certification, to sit, to claim some basis for, um, and, and that's, so, so that's forgery. Like mm-hmm. that's not, that's, that's an action that's forgery. And, and, um, we, we mentioned Ken Cheeseboro earlier, Ken Cheeseboro at the beginning of this process wrote it all down. He's like, you know, in this state, it'll be totally illegal in this state. It'll be way problematic And this. And so it, in fact, you know, in Georgia and Michigan, it's very problematic, I think there are going to be some interesting developments in Nevada, which was charged slightly differently in the indictment than some others. In Wisconsin, it wasn't as problematic. In Pennsylvania, they kind of CYA'd, um, and their CYA is in the indictment. So in other words, uh, Pennsylvania wrote language saying, we don't really mean this. And in the indictment, there's the language among Rudy Giuliani's people saying, oh my gosh, we can't let it get out that Pennsylvania said we don't really mean this because if that happens, then the, you know, then, then the fake election, the, the fake elector uh, certificates. So that's one thing. That's, that's clear fraud. Um, another kind of fraud is the effort to get Mike Pence to claim that he could single-handedly go out and throw out votes. Right. And he has gone out, I mean, it's been really interesting since the indictment rolled out because he's been much more outspoken about what he was asked to do. And he was like, you know, that it wasn't just them asking me to, you know, go back to the States. They cl- they asked me to throw out votes. They right. asked me to throw out votes. So that those are the two key prongs of action. But the other thing, um, on the... Uh, conspiracy to obstruct and the obstruct charge. And I, you know, this is the one 300 people have charged with. And all of these judges, including Judge Chicken, have written language about why if uh, I focus on this guy named Alan Hostetter, who, by the way, is not from Florida. So a oh, deviation from wow. norm among okay. us. But, um, you know, he totally bought the big lie. Um, and he, like Donald Trump, recruited a bunch of people to get to D.C. to prevent the vote certification. Like Donald Trump engaged in a lot of big lie himself. Like Donald Trump, you know, um, was out there pressing the big lie, gave speeches. You know, he's very similarly situated to Donald Trump. Also did not enter the Capitol like Donald mm-hmm. Trump. Mm-hmm. And in his um, in writing up his guilty verdict, uh, Reagan appointee, um, Ray Slimberth said, you know, I, I get that you believe the big lie. I get that you actually believe Donald Trump was unfairly deprived of winning the vote count. But there are legal ways to contest that. And you as a former cop know that the way to contest that is not to get a bunch of armed people to storm the Capitol. Right. And that's the kind of you know, when I when I emphasize 300 people have already been prosecuted for this. This is what I'm talking about, is that there are the the D.C. Circuit and I'm sure Supreme Court will soon be determining what the specific terms of this crime are. I suspect it will apply to Donald Trump more easily than it applies to a lot of the others. But um, but there are dozens of court opinions that tell you what you're hearing from Maggie and Mike and and Devlin and and um, Dossie, what you're hearing from the New York Times and Washington Post about this being a First Amendment issue. No, if you read the court filings, if you read the existing opinions on how this charge applies to January 6th, that's nonsense. Right. Um, and, and what you need to do is you need to show Donald Trump did things to obstruct the vote count. What did he do? Well, he first tried to get uh, Mike Pence to call it off. And after that failed, he 
he encouraged a mob to go try and assassinate Mike Pence, which made it sort of impossible to carry out the vote. I mean, mm-hmm. that, it's very simple, and that's not about speech. It's about actions. And then finally, the other point that's important is the reason Donald, the, the reason Jack Smith charged this as conspiracy. Uh, you know, Donald Trump is charged by himself right now, six co-conspirators, is that the way in which conspiracy law works in the United States conspirators, whether they're charged on the same indictment or another one, their speech, their words can come in without them taking the stand. So, for example, huh. when Rudy Giuliani said to Rusty Bowers, the uh, the um, speaker of the Arizona House, if I'm getting that right, yep. when he said to Rusty Bowers, oh, we have no evidence. We just have suspicions. We have no right. evidence. Right. That can come in as proof that there was no evidence. When um, when John Eastman admitted to Greg Jacob that he fully expected the Supreme Court to rule against him on this. That comes in as a conspirator statement. So it's not just whether Trump believed he knew that he was lying. It's also that John Eastman admitted he knew he was lying. And so did Rudy Giuliani. And so after the election did Sidney Powell. She said, you know, no reasonable person should have taken what I said about the Dominion voting (laughs) machines uh, fairly. Well, guess what? That is going to come in. I mean, that's a little bit harder to get in than what Rudy said in real time. But um, but these these are this is how the case is built. It's built on co-conspirators. When Ken, when Kenneth Cheeseburg, we already mentioned, when he admitted before the entire fake elector plot happened that they were breaking the law, that will come in as a co-conspirator statement. Okay. They don't have to get Kenneth Cheeseborough to say that on the stand because he is charged credibly as co-conspirator so you know the prosecution so long as they can convince tanya chitkin that he is a co-conspirator here um that statement where kenneth cheeseborough at the beginning of the fake electors plot said oh wow totally illegal in michigan in georgia and las vegas um that's all going to come in without them taking the stand and that's why it's built the way it is and that's why all these claims about what trump believed uh, are irrelevant once you believe that he entered into a conspiracy with Rudy and John Eastman and Kenneth Cheesebro and Sidney Powell and um, and Jeffrey Clark. <laughs> right. And, um, and Jeffrey Clark, too. I mean, Jeffrey Clark also made admissions that make it clear that he didn't believe what he was saying. Um, Which makes his role even more despicable because when you learned that he was he was ready to become the acting attorney general, he accepted Trump's offer and only was not named to that role because everybody else, all the lawyers, the, 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 the people said that they would all resign en masse. And so that's the only thing that stopped Trump from pulling that last uh, trigger that right in the waning in the last days before uh, January 6th. Right. And the other thing about Jeffrey Clark's uh, conduct is that he was doing it covertly. So he, he was he was meeting with Trump. In violation, I love this because, you know, this is the one time that White House contact rules are going to come back to Uh to bite Donald Trump. So he was going and meeting with Trump without telling his bosses. His bosses found out about it and said, don't do that anymore. Repeatedly, repeatedly warned him and he kept going back and meeting with the president without their knowledge or approval. Right. And that's, again, the kind of conduct that makes it easy to prove a conspiracy. It makes it easy to prove that they did enter into a conspiracy and um, makes the corrupt nature of it 
fairly obvious. So th- those th- that, that's what I'm talking about. When I say that all this garbage from Maggie and Mike and, and uh, Devlin and Dossie, this about it being First Amendment, no. This is what it actually looks like in a courtroom. This is what it has looked like in the courtroom for two and a half years. Right. So and we this know is where it's going. This is also why we encourage everyone to read the damn thing rather than listen to what, you know, the different filters are telling you is in it. It's right here. You can read it. And that's why I recorded it so that you can hear the actual words in the indictment. Every time I hear any of them talk about the First Amendment, it's like they did not charge him with inciting the riot. They did charge him with uh, with with what was the word? Um, Not escalating it, but, um, um, you know, basically uh, amplifying it, exploiting it, it, exploiting it. Yeah. And I you know, I, I expect that everything in the indictment is is a dramatic understatement of the kind of evidence they have. But it's just conservative. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't want to promise the moon in the indictment because bringing this to the, the big concern about bringing this to trial, one of the most interesting pieces of reporting I've seen so far, and I, I don't I don't remember where this was from. It might have been CNN or Daily Beast, but um, people who are key members of Donald Trump's campaign are also key witnesses in this case. The, mm-hmm. the most important to my mind is Jason Miller. Like Jason Miller is one of the top people on Trump's reelection campaign. Right. And if you look, um, senior campaign advisor, I think is how he's referred okay. to there. I was wondering about um, that and I thought it might be him, but yes. Yeah. But- and so if you pull those references, there's some, I mean, there's one point at the beginning of the fake elector thing where Jason Miller says, you know, this is crazy. This is, um, oh, what I used the line in my first post on this. I'm going to go pull it up because it's readily available sort of, yes. um, it's the, it's the, um, anyway, keep talking. And is I'll it the one, it. the the post from August 1st, Donald Trump's January 6th indictment? Um, no, that's, that's just, you posted that it had been released. Um, the structure. It's the conspiracy okay. from, hold on. Hold oh, the mothership? On. Conspiracy yeah. shit beamed down from the mothership. The conspiracy prehistory. Conspiracy beamed down from the, that is Jason Miller. Oh, that is Jason Miller. And so he's going, if this, if this trial happens before the election, he's going to have to take the stand and he's already been, uh, I'm sure sat before the grand jury. And so he's locked into what he said to the grand jury. And this is what has taken time is that all of these people who might somehow say something exculpatory about Donald Trump, they've already visited the grand jury. And so if they deviate from what they've said to the grand jury, they're going to face perjury charges. Got it. Um, so Jason Miller, if this goes to trial in say March, Jason Miller is going to have to take the stand and explain, what he meant by conspiracy shit being down from the mothership and what he meant when he said repeatedly that they were not willing to back the statements of, of you know, the fake elector spot, the Kenneth Cheeseboro stuff, the Rudy Giuliani stuff. They were not willing to say that because they knew it was a lie. That's a pretty powerful witness against Donald Trump, his campaign, whatever, you know, the top person on the campaign. And that's where this heads if it goes to trial before the election. Got it. So uh, Marcy Wheeler, again, with us trying to uh, make sense of uh, this mountain of stuff coming down on Donald Trump. Now, I read, obviously, through the entire thing a couple of times, and the one name that came up that was missing, conspicuously absent, is Mark Meadows. The fact that Mark Meadows was not named in the indictment is not even one of the six 
alleged or unnamed co-conspirators um, leads any sensible person to think, OK, well, Mark Meadows must have flipped and he's going to be a key witness. Do you believe that? I think that that gets ahead of things. Okay. I think that it, it we are so used to corruption on a grand scale that we have a difficult time remembering that even people who testify honestly can be very damning witnesses, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and and by that, I mean, Mark Meadows has a tremendously good attorney, George Terwilliger, former U.S. attorney. He's George Terwilliger, Mark Meadows' attorney, is the guy who got uh, Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez off on his own improper document retention charges. Um, he's a very, very good lawyer, and he has gotten Mark Meadows to be a very, very good subject of an investigation and so i think it it, assuming he has flipped has wildly overstates what we know and Mm -hmm. what there's evidence for Mm -hmm. um does that mean he's free of any criminal exposure no not necessarily i mean we 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 don't know the full scope of all of this uh we don't you know like mark meadows for example could be uh implicated in coordinating with the crime scene mark meadows could be implicated in the fundraising mark meadows um but going you know going back to jason miller jason miller would go to the mat although i have to say jason miller um has a history of telling something closer to the truth than other witnesses Hmm. um but Jason Miller doesn't have to have flipped if he testified honestly. And that I'm, I'm less certain whether that's true. You know, like Mark Meadows may have avoided criminal exposure because he testified honestly um, without necessarily flipping. Uh-huh. And, 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 um, you know, I, I guess I, I, I caution people about assuming that Mark Meadows has slipped. Right. And as you mentioned, Cassidy Hutchinson isn't included in this indictment either, isn't mentioned. And, and she, of course, was Mark Meadows' assistant. Uh, yeah. And, and I said when she testified in summer of 2022, I said, you know, she she is a tremendous witness, but she is useful primarily for forcing the testimony of Mark Meadows and Pat Cipollone. And that has that, in fact, is what happened since. So, mm-hmm. like, what is what is new in the indictment are a couple of actions of Pat Cipollone that we did not previously know. Um, for example, Pat Cipollone asking Trump to withdraw his objections to the election on January 6th. That's new from the January 6th report. And it comes from having Cassidy Hutchinson testify honestly on her own right. And then kind of forcing the issue for Cipollone before the January 6th committee. And after that, forcing the issue, um, you know, with DOJ, like at that point, he had no choice. At, at that point, he had no choice. And once DOJ got all the executive privilege waivers, uh, which, by the way, is what January 6th committee did for DOJ in a way that, um, again, I predicted in July of 2021 was going to be actually really important for going forward, because it's all of this background um, and all of the animosity between the January 6th committee and uh, the FBI is is nevertheless key foundation to how this is going to go to trial and how importantly Joe Biden is going to be say be able to say I never had any role in the criminal investigation of Donald Trump and that's going to be true he he right. did have a role in the January 6th committee investigation of Donald Trump but that was not a criminal investigation so he you know he wasn't involved in it and and anyway 
So so Joe Biden is doing what uh, a president is supposed to do and not get involved in the specifics of cases that the Justice Department is working on. Yet that doesn't stop them from calling it Biden's, you know, Biden's prosecution of Trump. So people need to understand the rhetoric and where it's coming from, it, it goes back to consider right, the source. Right. But, but you know what? Part of it is all of this anti-Merrick Garland bullshit. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, again, you can look at how Merrick Garland in July of 2021 started laying the groundwork to have uh, both the Senate and the Senate Judiciary Committee and the January 6th Committee get privilege waivers for stuff that then we know for a fact that then DOJ piggybacked on. Okay. So there was never a moment where that we know of where DOJ had to go to Joe Biden and said, can you please approve the use of these communications for use in a criminal investigation against your potential opponent? And it was a very, very shrewd way of doing this. It is what has fed a lot of the animosity, you know, these claims that January 6th was doing things that DOJ wasn't doing. And it is going to be one of the things that will that may make the difference between a successful prosecution or not. And because instead, We've had all these people whining about Merrick Garland for two and a half years. Um, There isn't that awareness, even though what I just explained to you is all public. Right. Got it. Um, All right. So the the next thing, I guess, unless something else intervenes in the January 6th case, in the case in D.C., the the third indictment we just got, there is a court date, I believe, on August 28th. That's still there. Yeah, there's a court date this week, though, now. <laughs> we don't know what it is yet. But, um, Tanya, so uh, as you, you said earlier, there's this dispute over the protective order. Right. Trump is saying, we need a hearing in three weeks' time. And DJ, DOJ is saying, we don't need a hearing. And Tanya Chuck can kind of split the baby and said, okay, get together and figure out what day this week you guys are going to be before me because we're going to have a hearing this week before Friday. The I want the protective Friday. order issue yeah on the protective order okay and then once that happens i expect out of that hearing you're going to have her decide on the protective order and then doj is going to start sharing discovery with with trump's team and 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 towards trial and the whole thing about the protective order is to try to prohibit trump's team from releasing all the discovery stuff that's coming uh and trying the the case in the media instead of waiting until you know the the court case comes up so yeah, one of the one of the interesting details of that is that um, DOJ recorded a lot of the interviews and a lot of the, you know, a, a good number of the interviews, including with the co-conspirators. We know Rudy sat for an interview. We know Boris Epstein, who might be co-conspirator six, sat for a two day, both of them, two day mm-hmm. interviews. Um, Mike Roman was going to do. He's the other person who might be co-conspirator number six. Um Sidney Powell claimed to be cooperating with prosecutors way back in 2021 when everyone said there was no investigation. Who am I missing? Uh, John Eastman hasn't sat with prosecutors, but he keeps, you know, he he's he's got his bar hearing in California Uh-oh. where he's gone on the record. Once again, not Florida this time. So it's a good day for you, Nicole. God, oh, but, um, yay. <laughs> um, uh, but so he's got these recorded interviews of what people said and Donald Trump's lawyers were trying specifically to get permission to share all of that stuff um, because they basically wanted to go make TV, you know, recordings about what people said to prosecutors. And DOJ was like, look, you know, 
if we go this route, we are not obliged to give you any of this until right before trial. So, um, you know, don't say that you're going to use. I mean, that literally what Trump is trying to do is exploit the fact that DOJ wants to hand them everything. Right. Which never happens. Um, and use that as a way to basically torment the witnesses. Oh, yeah. yeah. So this alone is enough to make anyone like a, a bit crazy. Now, I've got this graphic that I that I, I captured a few months ago, and it's it's sort of out of date. So hush money is indicted already. Uh, they have that. But the classified documents case is indicted. January 6th is now indicted. E. Jean Carroll civil cases um, is is ongoing. And in fact, Trump has been uh, smacked down a few times in that um, his countersuit was just thrown out. And E. Jean Carroll is able to file an additional, I believe, defamation suit based on the, the comments that Trump made after he lost the case. Right. So that's happening. Right. You got that's happening in December. So like the, so looking at your graphic, the Trump organization fraud goes to trial. in I think October E. Jean Carroll goes back in December. Oy. The hush money right now is scheduled for March. Although, again, Alvin Bragg has said he might be willing to free up that space for the January 6th trial. Mm-hmm. Classified documents goes to trial in May. And then election interference in Georgia will be indicted sometime next week. And and, uh, and Fonnie Willis will be fighting for space. And oh, by the way, because Donna, Dana Nessel is, is a badass, um, Michigan was first to the pike on actually charging the fake electors because all wow, 16 of right. Michigan's fake electors have been charged that's as right. well as three people who got some tabulators to go fiddle with, including the um the gop candidate for secretary sorry for attorney general um he's one of the people who got indicted for the tabulator uh case so uh exciting news for michigan well it definitely and and bring it on i mean look and, and and the fact that we're hearing the the cries from the right oh it's a it's a third world country or as donald trump said a fourth or a fifth world country because they're charging this former president with all these crimes no what comes out of the the whole other world analogy is no president in history before has committed crimes like this. That's where the, the, the outrage should be, not in the fact that he's being charged. He's being charged because he did all this stuff. Now, what I wonder is. And all those can, cases- I, can I interrupt and yes, say please. one more thing about yeah. his line? He's also saying, why did you wait two and a half years to charge me? This is one of his lines. Yes. And so people should be ready to say that in the fake in the stolen documents case, Trump is single handedly responsible for at least three months of the delay in charging mm-hmm. because he got um, Aileen Cannon to, to basically enjoin most of the investigation mm-hmm. from basically from September uh, through December of of last year. So you put a halt to major parts of the investigation because Trump demanded it. So he could have been indicted on that three months before he was, except his own actions delayed it. And then, um, and this is, I did post on this, but this is a really important point. Like Tanya Chukin, you know, Trump is sort of trying to say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to disqualify her. Tanya Chukin was approved by the Senate with 95 to nothing nothing. vote. She was approved by Republicans. And she did have, she was the person who presided over the January 6th committee's effort to get Trump's documents, the executive wow. privilege challenge that I told you about. And in November of 2021, she ruled for the committee. She basically said, you know, basically Joe Biden and the and Congress both agree that 
you can't invoke executive privilege over this. And then um, Trump appealed it to the D.C. Circuit, and they said not only was Chutkin right about Congress and the president agreeing, but even if this were a criminal case, even if this were the same standard as Nixon, you still wouldn't you still wouldn't win because the peaceful transfer of power is too important. And then it went to the Supreme Court. And on January 19th, 2022, um, uh, Kavanaugh wrote the decision saying, because the D.C. Circuit affirmed just the uh, Judge Chutkin and also said that even if this were the Nixon standard, uh, you wouldn't have executive privilege. We don't even have to review this. Right. So in January of 2022, Justice Kavanaugh basically said Judge Chutkin is right. Okay. On on executive privilege. And so from January 19th, 2022 until April 27th, I think it was 2023. Mm-hmm. So well over a year, Donald Trump kept pressing executive privilege claims. Um, he stalled DOJ's investigation from July until April, July 2022 until April 2023 with ex- with frivol- with executive privilege claims. He already knew yeah, Brett Kavanaugh lost. wasn't right. going to buy. Right. Right. And so when he says, why didn't you charge me two and a half years ago? The answer is because you used frivolous executive privilege claims to delay the investigation from Ju- July of 2022 until April of 2023. You are single handedly responsible for the delay in testimony from Mike Pence's aides, from Pat Cipollone and Pat Philbin, from people like Mark Meadows and and uh, everyone else in the White House, uh, Dan Scavino, and finally from Mike Pence. And so that those frivolous executive privilege claims take up nine months of what we know the timeline of this investigation was. And that's that's the answer. That should always be the answer, whoever it is. Well, the night, you know, you could have been indicted nine months earlier. That's right. But you chose to disrupt the investigation. And in fact, you know, the delays, this is this is his M.O. He wants to delay everything until after the yeah. election, um, thinking that that will protect him. He could still, I guess, want if I don't even know, because it's all uncharted territory. If he's elected can he get the charges dismissed maybe everywhere but Georgia maybe or, or or Michigan? The state charges he can't do anything about, but we're getting ahead of ourselves here. In the meantime, the Florida case is he's got his buddy, Eileen Cannon, who people were thinking, well, maybe she learned her lesson with the first go round where she was, you know, reprimanded by the very conservative uh, court that she works under, even by Trump appointees who said, no, you can't do this. Um, now it seems that she's doing Trump's bidding again. Do you, what, what happened yesterday? I am a bit alarmed with it. So um, Stan Woodward, uh, when this investigation started, uh, represented eight people who were witnesses in this case. Mm-hmm. In addition to Walt Nauta, so Trump's alleged co-conspirator, he originally represented um, Yuskel Tavares, who's the IT guy who has since cooperated against Trump and Nauta. Uh, Dan Scavino, Cash Patel, um, Gosh, I always forget, you know, like, like we could almost get to the eight people that he represented in this case, but that was obviously going to eventually cause a conflict. And DOJ wrote to Aileen Cannon and said, look, you know, Walt Nauta, uh, Stan, Walt Nauta's lawyer used to represent Yuskel Tavares. Right. And so when Yuskel Tavares gets on the stand and testifies against Walt Nauta, it is going, you know, 
either Stan Woodward is not going to be able to aggressively cross investigate, cross cross examine uh, Tavares, this key witness, or you're going to have to get Walton out to a new lawyer. And what normally happens is you, the judge uh, has a hearing and brings in outside lawyers and has the outside lawyer sit down with the defendant, in this case, Walton Alta, uh to explain to them, like, this is why you can't be sure whether, whether, um, Stan Woodward has your best interests at heart because he has this conflict. He's represented the guy who's about to take the stand against you. And instead of doing that, she said, why is DOJ still investigating this in DC? Now, she may have a point. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there was, she may know that, uh, it may be true that DOJ overstepped things in DC. I doubt it. But it is a fair question to raise. I mean, just as an example that people might remember, um, Roger Stone was indicted uh, in January of 2019. And then in May of 2019, Mueller, on like the last thing he did was get the testimony of this Roger Stone aide named Andrew Miller. And uh, it turned out that... Andrew Miller's testimony was in a new grand jury, but Roger Stone assumed it wasn't. So Roger Stone carried out this challenge saying, how could you get Andrew Miller's testimony when, um, when I've already been charged. And so he thought there was a violation and it turned out not to be the case. I suspect the same is true here. Um, But you know, it, it is something that, uh, that Canon should legitimately look into, but not at the not at the expense of Walt Nauta having conflicted counsel for two more weeks, three more weeks until she decides it. And so it is the first thing that I've seen that does alarm me about what she's doing. It may be justifiable, uh, but but ultimately she's not representing the needs. She's not ensuring that Walt Nauta gets a fair trial. Mm-hmm. And that's a pro- I mean, you know, if she's going to help Donald Trump and hurt Walt Nauta in the process, that's a problem. It, do you think what she's doing is is um, in order to, you know, do Trump's bidding to help delay the proceedings instead of, you know, having this moved from this was the May 20th date that that was set, right? No, no. no. So it, thus far isn't going to change the date. It's okay. going to change the resolution of uh it's going to delay the resolution of whether or not Stan Woodward should represent should step off gotcha. and find a better counsel for, for Walt Nauta. Um, it could, you know, like the, the most outrageous thing it could do is she could decide that DOJ overstepped and using continuing to use the DC grand jury. And, uh, and then she could invite Stan Woodward to dismiss, you know, to move to dismiss the charges based on grand jury problems. I, as I understand it, but this is based on what other people say. So I understand it. That would be an appealable, something appealable to the 11th circuit. So if she does that, that, you know, DOJ has an out, but, um, but she, what probably happened, Nicole, is that DOJ started investigating this in D.C. because that's where they knew that everything started. Right. And over the course of the investigation, they came to the conclusion that the crimes that they needed to charge happened in Florida. However, over the course of the investigation, they got grand jury testimony, probably from Yuskel Tavares. And so if Yuskel Tavares, for example, was at risk of perjury charges, he did get a... um, uh, he did get a target letter before he ended up cooperating. So 
you know, it's possible that he just said, let me go back and clean up my grand jury testimony. It's possible that he said, um, let me enter into a cooperation agreement where I work off a perjury charge. Mm-hmm. Both of those would necessarily happen, have to happen in D.C. because that's where any perjury or any, you know, if he told, if he, if he made false claims in interviews that happened in D.C. And so that's, that, that's the most likely explanation for what happened. But, um, you know, Aileen Cannon is going to make it really hard for DOJ to give that explanation. Wow. So there's and she's coming under uh, again, uh, more scrutiny saying, okay, well, maybe she didn't learn her lesson and she's not uh, just going by the letter of the law. I don't know. Uh, But but it looks like she's not going to recuse herself. She's bound and determined to stay on this case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's one other question, and I'll go back to uh, here at EmptyWheel.net. You wrote a post on Friday. Trump's family is not in his prosecution. And I'm wondering, where are the spawn? Where are Javanka? And, you know, th- with all the focus, and we're not talking about Hunter Biden today, and for good reason, we've done enough. Um, and, and you've written about you can't ignore him because they're not ignoring him. We need to talk about it. But again, I don't see the connection between anything Hunter Biden did and the Biden administration or campaign or any of that. However, uh, Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner worked on the campaign and in the uh, Trump White House. And I know they were complicit with some of his crimes, yet we've not seen them charged or even mentioned in any of these indictments yet there there was no not mentioned there was um, a new york times report for some weeks ago in which jared was brought in to uh, be questioned but that specifically said and this was maggie so maggie hammerman so she would know that specifically said that ivanka had not yet been questioned even though she had received a subpoena um i don't know what to make of that you know, and and it's actually one of those things where I'm not all that. I mean, I did mention it and I mentioned it partly because Chris Hayes, I think, rightly pointed out, why aren't we making a bigger deal out of the fact that Melania won't won't accompany Donald Trump to ah. one after another of 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 his um, arraignments? Why is Trump's family nowhere to, you know, visibly in support of Donald Trump as he faces criminal justice? Um, but I but the Ivanka question is quite interesting because there are overt acts described in the indictment so for example that moment after trump has written a tweet targeting mike mike pence and all of his aides are in the dining room and Mm -hmm. and the indictment it's it's actually my favorite line in the indictment where it says well they left him alone in the dining room he sent out that tweet and then they all run back (laughs) in the dining room and try and get him to write something um and he ends up writing and the indictment is quite clear about this he ends up writing a tweet saying stay peaceful Right. The indictment's like, that's not true. They weren't being peaceful. <laughs> they weren't peaceful. Um, yeah. And it describes that that statement came at the behest of, and it lists all of the aides. It lists Mark Meadows. It lists um, the the two paps, Cipollone and Philbin. It lists Eric Hirschman. It doesn't list Ivanka. And we know that Ivanka was the one, or at least there is witness testimony that Ivanka is the one who wrote the stay peaceful line. And so it is really fascinating that she's not in there. Uh, and I don't, you know, again, I don't care. I right. don't care yet. I just observed it because I can think of a number of reasons why she wouldn't be in there. One of which would be it, it avoids a political hassle by not naming her. 
Um, and you can bring her in later. Uh-huh. You can try and get her, you know, you can try and get her honest testimony later. Or I don't know. I, it's not an issue that I feel like needs to be resolved today. But I did observe it because there are several things in several scenes in the indictment that we know uh, Ivanka was central in and she's not in there. Not in there at all. Um, yeah. but, but the point is they can bring any of these people up on charges or for investigation or anything going forward. Nothing here uh, rules that out. So no, no, no. And, and for example, the January 6th committee, when they made referrals, basically said, ah, I mean, they didn't say it this way, but they basically said, ah, we think Ivanka lied to us. And, and they cited um, a PR person who is the one who said that, that the line stay peaceful came from Ivanka. Uh-huh. They cited Ivanka's chief of staff for her response to Trump bullying Mike Pence. So, you know, they came pretty close to saying, we think that Ivanka should be prosecuted for false statements. And it's unclear what DOJ did with that kind of referral. Uh, but it is what it is. Right. You know? and, and what I would like to know is if there is going to be any kind of investigation. And these uh, may be, a, you know, apart and separate from any of of the ongoing uh, criminal and civil investigations of Trump that are already in the pipeline. Ivanka and her her Chinese patents that uh, like billions of dollars worth for her products that were immediate that were approved soon after Trump came into office. Jared Kushner getting an infusion of billions of dollars to to buy him out uh, to help him get out of the 666 Fifth Avenue building debacle that his whole empire, the Kushner uh, fortune was about to implode. These things may not fit into any of those neat compartments, but I'm wondering why they're, we're not hearing anything about them, if there's going to be any investigation of that kind of stuff going forward, or we don't know. Well, I mean, what what we do know is that Donald Trump was asked about his own ties, especially with the live, the Saudi-sponsored golf right. tournament. Right, um, So that came under purview of investigation. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if, uh, if, Jared's ties to the Saudis did as well, if that was pertinent to the investigation. So that is part of Jack Smith's investigation. But, you know, I just want to remind you, because here we are, we have an indictment, and I can tell you where the investigation into four of the co-conspirators came from. And... Rudy Giuliani, the investigative steps into Rudy Giuliani started on Lisa Monaco's first day on the job. Uh, We know that the Sidney Powell investigation was overt by September 2021. And we know that the Jeffrey Clark investigation came out of DOJIG, which started uh, possibly before the end of the of the Trump administration. And so for years, people have said there is no investigation and and half of the co-conspirators in this indictment undeniably obviously the investigations came at the same time as people were screaming oh no no investigation is happening we are better off if investigations aren't public i mean one of the things that the only thing that making and and this is clear in the last three weeks right the only thing that making an investigation into donald trump overt does is ratchet up his obstructive efforts right so if DOJ made a decision based on what they knew from the Russian investigation that the way to properly investigate Trump was to delay the time it goes overt, 
Um, and they may well have done that and may well be smart, you know, then what it did was delay the chance for him to tamper with witnesses before they visited the grand jury. Got it. And to ratchet up, you know, his martyrdom among yeah. his followers. And, you know, that's a cult that there's no rhyme or reason there. It's just a cult. And these people uh, just will not pay attention to reality and facts. Instead, they buy the bullshit coming out of his mouth. Um, Marcy, will, we could just keep going. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about that is on your radar that, that we need to know? No, I'll be back next week. <laughs> Got it. And you probably will. Thank you so much for sharing and talking this out with me. Um, I've got lots of thoughts, but y- you've got the facts. And uh, I think we, we are able to suss through a lot of the stuff by just just shooting the shit about what's going on, um, unencumbered by, you know, time constraints and stuff like that. So as always, thank you. Marcy Wheeler, emptywheel.net um, should be your first stop in your morning reading every day. Thank you, Marcy, and I will talk to you very soon. <laughs> Thanks so much, Nicole. Take care. And and there you go. Marcy Wheeler, um, a national treasure. Even if she is in Ireland, she still is. Um, she, you know, Marcy is great, and thankfully, you know, I've known her for, I don't know, a dozen years or so now or more. Um, and thankfully, when there's stuff to unpack, she's there for us. So Marcy is on the show fairly regularly. I know we had a, a bunch of new people come in today uh, because Marcy was going to be here. So come back. We have fun. We really do. And we get to a lot of good information. So thank you for listening. I'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same place, same shit. <laughs> All right. Um, till then, have a good one. Thank you, Espos. Eponus Tribe, thank you so much, uh, who asks in the chat room, where are we on the statute of limitations? Jan 6 committee used up almost two years now, two years, I-O-W, in order to charge Trump's kids, uh, i.e. Ivanka and Hubby et al. Good questions, but they can still be charged, I believe. More, more learning to come. This is what we do here. Thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, gracias, amigos. Hasta mañana, mañana baby. baby. Oh, <laughs> that that was good, right? I don't know why it's coming back. I was going to play you a spot, but I guess I'm not going to now. We'll do this. <laughs>